Welcome back to the Bhagavad Gita in a Year podcast. I'm here with Chaitanya Charan Prabhu and my friend Balaram. And we are on day 43 of our journey through the Bhagavad Gita. And we will start today at chapter 2, text 69. <laughs> This is another cool one. What is night for all beings is the time of awakening for the self-controlled. And the time of awakening for all beings is night for the introspective sage. There are many vivid images in the Bhagavad Gita. And this is another vivid image. And... The Gita is literary. It is it is a poetic work. And because it is literary, it is not always literal. If you take this literally, that now night and day can't be different for different people. What is night for all people is night for all people. Isn't it? So night and day, what does it refer to? It broadly refers to the area of, it refers to the domain of inactivity, domain of, generally most people sleep at night. Day is the domain of activity. So if we consider from that perspective, what this verse means is, that if we have two categories of people, the spiritual seekers, and of course, let's put it, let's put it more generally, spiritualists, they could be seekers, or they could be non-seekers, and then there are the materialists. So where what is the domain of activity for them and what is the domain of inactivity for them? For spiritualists, the domain of activity is the, you could say, spiritual subjects. For materialists, it is sensual, mundane subjects. What is the domain of activity, inactivity for spiritualists? It's sensual subjects. They understand that these are the only temporary pleasure. They take us away from our spirituality. And therefore, they have no interest in those. On the other hand, for the materialist, the spiritual subjects are the domain of inactivity for them. Why? Because for them, spirituality doesn't make any sense. You know, there are so many things to enjoy here and now. Why are you bothering about some other world, some other domain? What's wrong with you people? So... From this perspective, broadly speaking, we'll see that this verse is talking about the contrast between these two people. So, some like if I give the example of an alcoholic, a person who is an alcoholic, that person will look, where is the bar? And I want to go there. And the other hand, a person who is a recovering alcoholic, that person will st- deliberately stay away from a bar. So... In that sense, 
both white walk to a marketplace or a mall and say a sober person versus a addict addict will look for a bar or sober person will stay away from a bar a sober person will look for a library okay i want to i want to read something i want to learn something but the so addict may stay away from library what is there it's at alcoholic told his friend yesterday i read a very powerful article about the dangers of alcohol hmm. immediately i stopped reading the article <laughs> so instead of stopping drinking the alcohol okay just stop reading it so what is night and what is day refers to the opposite things for these people with the spiritually interested they perceive and pursue things differently and the materially interested they what they perceive and then what they pursue these are what we are perceiving and then after whatever we are pursuing these two are different so that's what is being illustrated over here through this verse any reflections comments before i move ahead it's very nice um don't but materialists do materialists encounter spiritual subjects they encounter they have no interest in them that is the idea right okay why bother about most people will say okay why bother about another uh, what happens after death why bother about whether there is a soul or not they just don't is there any anything exists anything any non material side to us we just don't care for it so it's just the area of uh, no no interest no activity they just don't feel that's relevant so you're not talking about spiritual spiritual subjects like reading the bhagavad gita you're talking about the spiritual parts of life that are there whether you like it that, or not that could also be true that even if they they encounter something like a bhagavad gita they might just they might be much more interested in reading uh, reading some magazine reading some some hollywood celebrity gossip magazine or something like that rather than reading something like uh, a bhagavad gita mm-hmm. so that's what their idea that's what their idea The, the verse is talking about over here mm-hmm. thank you so now here continuing the theme of how they are purposefully engaged so how to be purposefully engaged that's what is now here in this verse the meter changes most of the bhagavad gita verses if you see they are having what is called anushtup chanda it's a little technical but the point is a shorter verses 
So now when this is recited musically, in if you consider English poetry also, there are if somebody wants to say somebody has hip hop kind of songs, then there are short short lines. But if somebody is composing a little bit more contemplative, then they may have longer lines. So here the meter changes. This is a longer verse, one of one of the few longer verses in in these chapters of the Bhagavad Gita. आपूर्यमानमचल प्रतिष्ठम समुद्रमापह प्रविशंति अद्वद अद्वद कामायम प्रविशंति सर्वे सशांति मापनोति न काम कामी Translation: A person who is not disturbed by the incessant flow of desires that enter like rivers into the ocean, which is ever being filled but is always still, can alone achieve peace, and not the man who strives to satisfy such desires. Here, if we continue the theme, the, the theme that is going on over here is. That the fourth question of Arjuna, or fourth, uh, the fourth part of Arjuna's question: How do they engage themselves? How can we be engaging our senses? That is what is being discussed, and in connection with that, what Krishna is saying here is that, like I discussed earlier, the engagement. When you are talking about engaged, it's not just physical; it's also mental. So, when we are purposefully engaged, at that time our consciousness, we consider our consciousness, if it is vast like an ocean, that means it is full of some big purpose. Big means it doesn't have to be. Worlds in it has to be meaningful for us. Then, if some distracting temptation comes in, that is like a river. It's tiny. Even it comes in, we are so we are so full in our purposeful engagement that it doesn't matter. On the other hand. Better understand this metaphor. If you can say, if our consciousness is like a tiny puddle, it means there is some trivial thing going on, trivial thought going on over there. So, for example, if I'm not doing anything meaningful, then at that time. when temptation comes in it's like a river and it overflows the puddle and disrupts everything over there so when we make sure that internally we have a significant sufficient purpose within us then we won't get overwhelmed that is the key that is being talked about over here so b purposefully engaged have that have the internal consciousness filled with something which will leave no which will make our consciousness large consciousness large in general 
Many people talk about having meaning in life. Now, when we seek meaning, how does meaning, a meaningful engagement when you talk about it, how do we get that? Each one of us, it is to some extent proportional to whether we take responsibility for something beyond ourselves. Each one of us all have been given some talents. We all have been given something, some ability. We are in some situation. We take a response to create something of beauty, of something of value. So it could be even, say, taking care of another person. It could be taking care of some valuable service, something beyond ourselves. Once we have that, I take responsibility for this. Okay, I have some musical ability. Then with this, I, I may not have enough musical ability to become the next George Harrison. Or the next, but I have some musical ability. Let me compose something. Let me sing something. Something valuable, something meaningful. Let me produce something of beauty. If I have some artistic ability, let me do something. I have some managerial ability. I have some engineering ability. Whatever I have, when we strive to create something of value, wherever we are, and we do this within a spiritual context, understanding that it is God who has given us these blessings. It is God who has put us in this situation. So let us do our service in this situation. And then we will find that our consciousness becomes full. And when it becomes like an ocean, then the temptations and the distractions become insignificant. But when we have, when our consciousness is, instead of trying to do something meaningful, we are just uh, resentful, fretful, oh, you know, this person is like that, that person is like that, this is going wrong, that is going wrong. Then our consciousness is like a puddle. And generally, we'll see people who are, people who don't have much to do, anything significant to do, any significant engagement, they get swept away by temptations. So that's the so Krishna in this verse is telling Arjuna that focus on that big picture. Focus on knowing that you have something meaningful to do. So therefore, then the, uh, the, the self-realized people or the spiritualists, seekers and seers, they don't get swept away. Okay. Mm. You know, it's interesting. There's, I don't watch a lot of TV, but there's this documentary on Netflix right now about the centarians, they call them, people that live like longer than 100 years. And there's certain like groups, like places in the world where there's more of these people. And one of the commonalities that they find in all these groups is that they have meaningful engagement or something purposeful. So it's interesting that like, even on that level, like on the on the biological, physical level, it's it's healthier for us. It's a more holistic um, 
way to live. Like we're designed for that. Beautiful. Thank you for making this point. I just, there is some survey that in nursing homes uh, that if people are told, you just take care of this plant. And that means every day they have to come out of their home and go into the garden and water that plant. Mm. They That itself actually leads to a greater zest, not maybe zest may be a strong word, a greater spirit for living. And people who are just given that small task, on an average, they live longer than somebody who doesn't have that task, if both of them have similar medical conditions. So it's such a beautiful point that it applies not only at a material, at a spiritual level to avoid temptation, but also bodily degeneration, we can say. That also is avoided. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Any comments or should I should we try to complete this chapter today? Yeah, let's do it. A person who has given oh. up all desires for sense gratification, who lives free from desires, who has given up all sense of proprietorship and is devoid of false ego, he alone can attain real peace. That's a tall order. Yeah. Here, the key point continuing from the previous text, charati moves about. So how do we move about in this world? The whole point was how to be engaged in this world without being consumed or distracted by the sense objects. So how does the person move about? Krishna is saying that two things. That vihaya kama and sarvan. That you know, there are give up desires. That there are so many temptations that will come in. Now, in the previous verse, there was an interesting word which I didn't discuss. There, Krishna uses the word, a compound word, kama kami. That means desirer of desire. Hmm. Interesting phrase. Desire. Now, normally, we consider if this is the self and say this is some object. Hmm. So normally, we would consider what goes from us to the object as desire. But could say what comes in is also it can be considered desire so you could could call this in one sense as temptation or let's put it as this proposition the proposition was okay eat this watch this touch this buy this and then when that position comes out of us, it becomes an intention. So, what the Gita is saying, na kama kama, it's a reverse flowing in. So, this is at one level unavoidable. 
propositions coming inside us we cannot avoid them but this they generating an intention within us that is avoidable so when the verse is saying vihaya kamaan yah sarvan what it is saying is that this comes in and it says oh come on let's enjoy we will say yes no so here inside if we can say no we are not going to do this then while the one might come in the other might not the desire as proposition will come in but the desire as intention will not come out so when the now we may say if somebody is literally desireless pumans charatin spruha if somebody is desireless then why would that person be active at all so when the word desireless is being used over here it is it is referring not to utter complete desirelessness Mm, utter absence of desire. And for one thing, practically, it is this is logically and practically impossible. Logically, because uh, to want to be desireless is itself a desire, and practically, we will we are. we will see objects and actually we have desires so it does not mean an utter absence of desire what it means is lower or material desires those will be replaced with higher desires so if it were only desireless then why would the person be active at all active because that is there are higher desires the person moves about charity with higher desires now what exactly those higher desires are they will be discussed elaborately in future texts but in this way if a person lives then that person can be peaceful so shanti madhi gachati so the key to peace is that one be one will not get carried away by desires the world will keep propositioning but if one doesn't accept the propositions then one can stay peaceful okay hmm. so should we stop here let's brahmi sthiti partha nainam prapya vimohiyati sthitva syamanta kalepi ब्रह्म निर्वाण दैट इज द वे ऑफ द स्पिरिचुअल एंड गॉडली लाइफ आफ्टर अटेनिंग विच अ मैन इज नॉट बिवर्डेड इफ वन इज दस सिचुएटेड इवन एट द आवर ऑफ डेथ वन कैन एंटर इन टू द किंगडम ऑफ गॉड दिस इज मोर लेस द कंक्लूजन ऑफ द सेक्शन एंड what is the ultimate destination of somebody who is self realized that person who about whom arjuna asked the question in 54 so he says that isha such a person brahmi sthiti partha that a person is spiritually situated and so spiritually situated then what happens because such a person 
is unbewildered. The world can be a bewildering place. The bewildered can be for two reasons. One is temptation. Oh, there's so much enjoyment over here. Or it can be tribulation. Oh, there are so many things wrong over here. But either way, the person stays unbewildered. And then what happens when the person is unbewildered? If such a person remains like that, hmm, unbewildered at death, then that person will attain perfection. Now, this theme of what, why remembering at the time of death is important, that will be discussed later in the eighth chapter. So we won't go into that. But the point is, this is the way to not just living peacefully in this world, purposefully in this world, but ultimately attaining life's perfection. So we could say that this is, in one sense, Krishna is giving, you cannot give a better recommendation. It's a ringing recommendation. It's a ringing endorsement, you can say. Hmm. Sometimes we can have, for some movies, there are rave reviews. You must watch this. So like that, Krishna is saying, if you do this, you'll be happy in this life and you will attain the ultimate destination in the next life. So this verse is urging Arjuna emphatically to mold his life to be like these well-situated people, these spiritual seekers and seers. And that applies to all of us also as we strive to learn and grow in our spiritual journey. Any questions, comments before I summarize? No, thank you. I just wanted to add um, uh, you see, it seems there's an answer to a question of mine that's ongoing, which is what's the difference between religion and spirituality? And um, this isn't your main point, but I just thought it was really big for me is, um, yeah, in, engaging in the spiritual parts of life, not having lower material desires. It's, it's not about maybe the ritual as much as it is uh, that the ritual takes us to the more important things. Yeah, it's true. It is, the whole point of Krishna is yukta, engaged, meaning connected. So now we could have to stay connected, we could use rituals. But rituals, it's as we know the, the word ritual, when we have spirit when they are done in the right spirit then what happens is it becomes spiritual so here the keep is the right spirit that we need to be meaningfully engaged but if we do it ritualistically then it's mechanically perfunctorily then that is not going to be helpful when religion becomes just a matter of social prestige or uh, political power, then it is completely counterproductive. It is not at all spiritually productive, at least. So that's so ritualistically is not recommended. So thank you for that comment. I'll summarize. We discussed three verses today. Hmm. Actually, four verses. So 69th verse was about the contrast between materialists and spiritualists. So this was a section on how to stay engaged. So materialists, the Gita was a non-literal we discussed, how materialists and spiritualists 
they have different domains of activity and inactivity so what is night for the domain is day for the materialists and the vice versa then the 70th verse discussed about how if our consciousness is like a ocean then the river is just tiny but if our consciousness is is be a bed like a puddle then the same river will of desire will sweep us away so our consciousness becomes like a co- ocean through when it is we have some purposeful meaningful engagement mm-hmm. and that is the key that same thing was continued on in the 71st verse so we talked about desire coming inward and desire going outward so the inflow of desire is unavoidable but the outflow is avoidable mm. and if one can do this way then one can be peaceful one can be, one can avoid being agitated in this world and then so spiritual living will eventually lead to spiritual perfection thank you very much are thank you